Hey there, welcome to a special edition New River Church podcast. These recordings were done at our most recent Holy Spirit weekend in which Lydia O'Leary taught us about freedom. I think you're going to really be blessed by this. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, you could just check us out at newriverchurch.org. I want to speak something to you because that last teaching that we did was just on who we are, right? We talked about the three things. You need to know who you are, you need to know what you've been given, and you need to know who God is. What I want you to really understand in knowing who you are is that you are new. If any man is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, I knew that verse, but I always believed I was becoming new. We are not becoming new. We are growing, but we are not becoming new. We have already been made new. If you have been redeemed... If the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness, you have been brought back and you are new. You are not becoming new. You are new. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. It's, and it, it seems like a small distinction, but this is where the confusion and the gray areas have come for so long. Because if I'm becoming new, then that means that there's still things that are wrong with me that need to be redone. If I'm already new, then that means that if there's something there, it's not me. I might have made agreement with it. That doesn't excuse me from choices that I'm making. Don't don't hear me wrong on that. I might have made agreement with it. But I have been covered by the blood of Jesus, and I have been made new. Do you get the distinction? Good. All right. What do you guys remember from the last session? (laughs) All the promises are for us. If it's not like God, it's not like me. (laughs) <laughs> if it's not me, it's something else. If it's not good, it's not God. If it's not good, it's not God. The shadows are good. The fullness is better. Yes. We've been redeemed back to our original value. All of the promises were actually the realities in the garden. A partaker is an equal sharer. sharer. Amazing. Yeah, process without relationship is dead. It's not about a process. Everybody wants a process. I think you guys covered it pretty well. Good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was awesome. I want to share a testimony with you. 
Um, so as I was starting to understand that I'm not becoming new, I am new, um, it made me start to, to notice everything, right? How can you not start noticing everything when you start thinking this way? So I, you know, I'd been kicking out all sorts of stuff, coming into greater freedom. I was just amazing, realizing who I really am. Uh, and and uh, I, every fall, I would get these seasonal allergies. And uh, they would come like clockwork, very end of August, and last me into maybe the first or second week of October, where I would have to take allergy medicine, I'd have to use an inhaler, like I would get asthma at the same time, and I, it was just seasonal, right? <clears throat> so I'm about, you know, a year, year and a half into this, and I'm coming up and uh, I'm going, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't think Adam and Eve were allergic to pollen. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right to me. I don't think that this is something that I was made for. Like, all right, I'm going to go after it this year. I think this is something that's stealing from me, right? So I come into the fall and like clockwork. I mean, my eyes, my nose, just bleh, I couldn't breathe. I'm, I'm taking the allergy medicine. I'm using the inhaler. But every day I'm like, I'm trying to kick out asthma. I'm trying to kick out allergies. I'm trying to kick out sickness. I'm trying to kick out whatever I could possibly think that it might be, right? Breaking off agreement, kick it out. Break it off agreement, kick it out. And yet it, it's still going on. And I'm like... It's getting old. I'm not sleeping at night because it's keeping me up, unable to breathe. And so finally, my sister, Kendall, stops by, and um, I hop in her car in my driveway, and I say, Kendall, you got to pray for me that I would know whatever's causing this because I'm convinced. I'm really convinced that I'm new. And so I'm convinced that this is something stealing from me, and I just can't seem to figure out what it is, you know? And so she says, okay. So she reaches over, puts her hand right on my chest, and she says, Father, would you just show Lydia what is stealing from her right now? And all of a sudden, I hear in my mind, in my thoughts, I get the thought, self-preservation. I'm like, self-preservation? And I'm just sitting there for a minute, and... All of a sudden, all through my mind, I'm getting these memories of traumatic experience that happened in my life in the fall. And I knew that uh, allergies are a faulty immune response where your immune system is trying to protect you from something that you really don't need protection from. And all of these thoughts are flooding through my head and I'm going, oh my goodness, I think I opened a door to a spirit of self-preservation, trying to protect myself because of the, the traumas in my life. Um, and so these, this, it, it ended up affecting my immune system or is affecting my immune system, you know, trying to act like it's protecting me from things that I actually don't even need protection from. I probably am like building up, like have barriers between people that I don't even know about because of this thing being there, whatever. So all this stuff is running through my head and I'm like, I think I know what it is. See you later. And I like go in, run down to my office, sit in my chair and I'm like, all right, self-preservation, you're done. I'm not doing this anymore, right? And so I went and I just broke off agreement with it. I went through all seven, you know, and then I said, self-preservation, you're not me. 
You're not my thoughts. You're not my emotions. I nailed all of those moments to the cross. Those they, they died with Christ. They're not part of me. You know, you got to get up. You get off of me now. I send you to Jesus' feet for judgment. Do not come back to me again. And I'll tell you, my eyes dried up. My nose cleared up. And my throat went significantly down, like in terms of rawness, like just like that. And I was like, but my lungs were still so heavy. And I'm like, oh, I was being double teamed. Oh, I got to figure out what's got my lungs, you know. But from that moment on, I didn't have to take any allergy medicine, just the inhaler. And so then I'm like, okay, okay, so what is this? What is this? What is this? I mean, I'm going after anything I can possibly think of. Nothing's coming to mind. But I am convinced that I am new, so I'm not going to stop, right? This is why it's important for you to grab this, because if you really get it, then you won't settle for anything, even if you're not getting your answer right away. So I'm there, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, weeks are going by, and I... Finally, I just do a Google search. I went on Google, spiritual causes for asthma. <laughs> I was desperate, right? And actually, the first thing that pops up is this woman's story about how she had gotten delivered from a lifetime of asthma by kicking out a spirit of abandonment. And I was like, huh. I, I mean, I don't really feel like I have abandonment. That doesn't resonate with me, you know? Um, and so I didn't do it until... 2 a.m. when I couldn't breathe, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, forget it, I'll try it, you know. So I start breaking off agreement with abandonment, and I get to this part in the agreements where, I, where you ask the Lord for one of the agreements, where did this thing come in? And I wasn't expecting there to be agreement in that particular one, just because I, I don't know. So I, when did this thing come in? And he, the Lord brought to mind this memory where it was not any person, it was God that I felt had abandoned me. And I immediately flooded with tears, and I was like, you did! You did abandon me! You abandoned me then! You did! And he said, Lydia, I would never abandon you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so we walked through, what, is, what was the lie? What's the truth, God? You know, and he just spoke with me over it, right? And I said, abandonment, you're done. I'm not believing your lie anymore. God did not abandon me, and I'm not going to believe you. I break off agreement in Jesus' name. By his authority, I command you, get up, get off of me. Go, right? Immediately, my lungs went, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I can breathe. Well, in fairness, this was like coming into October, which is right about when it all ends for me anyways, right? And so I'm kind of like, maybe, you know, I mean, I defi something definitely happened, but I don't know. I'll know next year. I'll know next fall when it happens. If nothing happens, then I'll know right? If I don't have any allergies, no asthma, that's when I'll know. Well, so I start going through that year and uh, start noticing that my allergies to animals is gone. I start noticing that my allergies to nuts are gone. I'm like, I think it's really gone. It's kind of interesting. 
we get around to this past fall, and it's halfway through September before I realize I forgot to notice that I don't have allergies anymore and I don't have asthma anymore. Amazing. But it was because the correct and accurate knowledge of who God is and what he did brought me into a realization of promises that are realities of the garden that I measure everything by and to say, I will not settle for less. I might not know what you are, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to get rid of you. That's what I threaten all the time, or I did. I'm, I, there's very few things that I notice at all now, which is great. Um, but because of that, and so when I speak these things to you about knowing it, I know it can just sound like some sort of theology or another thing to learn in the Bible. I'm laying a foundation because tomorrow we're going to walk everybody through these, these seven agreements, what we do to just break off agreement, come into, a G, into agreement with Jesus and kick stuff out. We're going to walk everybody through that. But I don't want it to be this end point. I want that to be the beginning point for you. I want you to be so convinced of this stuff that you do what, what I've done the past couple of years and go after all of your promised land with everything that you've got. Because the enemy will rise up and try to convince you. He doesn't just lay over and be like, yeah, I guess I give up. He will rise up and try to make you believe, no, 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 no. And if you read the story in the shadow, yes, they took Jericho like that. They got to Ai, lost it first because of sin in the camp. Then they won. And then the kings in the land began to realize, uh-oh, we're next. And so five kings bound together to try and take Israel out before Israel took them out. They weren't stupid. And we know the story because it's a story where it's like the longest battle imaginable where Joshua has to command the sun to stand still because it's that long, that arduous. It's just a hard, hard process, a hard battle. But they won and they took five kings in one day. Several months into me kicking things out and doing it intentionally, uh, all of a sudden I started to get something that I can only describe as dread. It felt like this wave of dread that would just come on me. And it was a terrible feeling. And I, my first thought, honestly, was like, maybe I've been drinking too much coffee. What's wrong with my heart? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's just where my brain went because it's always been to natural things. I'm, I'm learning to think different now, you know. Dread, dread, dread. And I'm like, this is, I just, I'm not somebody who has panic attacks. I'm not somebody who has, like, I don't even know what this is. And uh, so I start breaking off agreement, and I tell her, you got to go in Jesus' name. And it's just not leaving. But I got work to do. I got stuff to do. So I can't, you know, so I'm doing what I got to do while waves of dread just keep, like, coming over me. And it, this goes on for about a week, a week and a half. I'm like driving, feeling it everywhere. I'm just constant over and over and over again. And I kept being like, get off of me. 
I break off agreement with you. Like, didn't you hear me? Are you deaf? Leave. Like, I don't know. And it, it was frustrating. I couldn't figure out why this thing wasn't leaving. Why, why wasn't it going, right? So finally, I'm down in my office. I'm working on something on the computer, and something in me just snaps. I just had, I had it done, right? So one of the things that we use when we... Uh, when we're telling things to leave, is we'll, we'll ask God to release the fire of God to come over us, right? His refining fire to get rid of all unrighteousness. So fire, 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 you know, I'd ask like that. So I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm working, and I just keep feeling dread. And all I can picture is this, like, snivelly little worm sucker punching me over and over again, and I just can't do anything about it right now, and it's driving me crazy, you know? So I'm there, and I'm just feeling it. Finally, I'm like, Ugh! I just threw my hands on my chest, and I went, fire, 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 And I went on for probably 20 minutes. I felt like I was getting out like a bazooka or something like, <laughs> like, I'm done, right? I mean, that's literally what happened. I, I snapped. I just like, and it was done. It was gone. And I asked the Lord, what was that? And he said, they were just outlasting you. And I had given some solid time to it, you know? But I think that was, was my five-king battle. All right? And so you've got to be aware of these things. It's not a magic trick. It's not just like a, oh, say these words and magic happens. It's understanding that you were made new. The enemy wants you to be his slave. He wants the children of God worshiping him. And he will go to all lengths to keep you a slave. It's, and especially as you start to grasp that freedom is actually your inheritance here and now, expect things to rise up. Expect there to be battles. The, the best news, though, is that once they're gone, they're gone. It's not like the battles I fought before where they would rise up and I would pray and declare and put worship music on, whatever, and they would settle down and then they would come back up again over and over and over again. That's exhausting. Yes, these might be some pretty intense battles, but when they're done, they're done. As long as you don't open the door for that thing to come back in again, it is not allowed to just jump on your mind. It is not allowed to just jump on your emotions. It is not allowed to just jump on your body. Once it's out, it's out. So I want to equip and prepare you rightly so that it's not like, well, I can't wait till tomorrow till all my problems are going to be gone. I've been kicking stuff out of me for the past three years. And at first, 
as I started to realize and wrote my list of all the stuff that wasn't like God, here I was thinking I was a good Christian. I'm like, I'm a freaking cesspool. I had no idea. Like, I have got so much crap inside of me, you know? It's just so much. That's okay. Who cares? It's all got to go. Just write your list and get them out one by one by one by one. Don't let it make you feel overwhelmed. You lead the charge, and you go one battle after the next after the next, and you will get every bit of your promised land, and you'll come in to the divine nature. All right, sound good? So we're going to go into session three. Everybody got that in front of them? Does anybody have any questions about all of that? Are you saying, uh, um, what I'm understanding is that the, the sin that I carry, which is plenty, is sort of like, uh, but I've, I've surrendered, I've pledged my life to Jesus. And uh, I did that on the heels of a miracle. So I was figuring I'm off that. Is that. Are we saying that, are you saying because we didn't know about these uh, residuals that trapped in us, or, 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 or we've, we've uh, sealed them in by not acknowledging them, it's like we're opening a window to shoot them out. They, I'm getting the idea that once we're, there's the, the thing that once we're settled that, 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 that it's been booted out, and you say it can't, it doesn't have the power to come back in because we've been redeemed. Mm -hmm. And so are you saying that these things are just sort of like a culmination of the life we had lived and mm -hmm. we just haven't seen them? We didn't recognize them as for what they are and they're trapped in us? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that they're trapped. I would say that they are clinging on for dear life, that they want to stay, they want to own you. I haven't grabbed them and thrown them out. You haven't gotten rid of them. That's different from Yes, and, and there are those that are there. It's been interesting because there's some people that there's a, they end up finding that they've had a lot of agreement with these things. For me, most of my agreement with these things were identity agreements. I thought they were me. That was enough to let it stay. You know, I just, I thought it was my anger. I thought it was my anxiety. I thought it was my fear. I thought it was my allergies. I thought it was, you know, like, I just... Right. What a mistake. Right. He's redeemed us. And so it's that they have found agreement there. There are people, though, that are, have loved the Lord, been in pursuit of the Lord, and we go after these things and we ask if there's any agreement there, and the thing says no. And when we tell it to leave, it just leaves. It knows it has no agreement. The person has actually done the forgiveness work. They've done those things. They just never actually knew that they were to command it to go. And so it would just keep rising up. They would put up with it as a thought in their mind, put up with it as an emotion in them, <laughs> not go with it, you know, but it was still there. And, and so that's, I think, more the accurate picture. It's there because at one point it had agreement with you. Most of the time we find that it still does have some agreement, a lot of times because of lack of knowledge of what you've been given and who you are. Um, but ultimately, it's because it hasn't been commanded to agreement broken and commanded to leave. We see, we see one or the other. We see people trying to tell it to leave, and it's going, I don't have to leave. You've agreed with me. 
And so we're going, well, I've tried commanding. Well, you, did you break off all the agreement with it first? It won't leave without that. Or they're breaking off agreement, but they're never telling it to leave. Those tend to be the two sides. We're just pulling those two together, and they leave. How do we get our list? You just start noticing anything that's not good or anything that's not like God, and you start writing it down. And then what I encourage people to do is, Kick out something every day. Pick one thing when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed or on your drive to work or whenever's convenient. Just go right through, break up agreement, and tell it to leave in Jesus' name. And you'll start noticing. I mean, I, if you're anything like me, I had a ton, a ton at the beginning. It was almost like hard to sift through it all. And then there were things that were similar, like anxiety and fear and worry and afraid those were all separate things. <laughs> Panic, dread, all separate things. But they were all very similar, right? And so I kicked out fear, which was in my stomach, and I would still feel anxiety in my heart. They always went together. So it was like, oh, I think it's less. Well, it wasn't less. It was less because something was gone. And so there's different things that have different names. And, but we'll be going into what have we been given, and it's the Spirit of God who gives us the understanding to know what is there. Will tell us the names of the things that are there so we know what to get rid of. Was there a hand back there? The chance is, well, it can't come back without your permission. And so here's, so again, looking at the shadow. Very specific instruction to go and remove everything from the land. Because if they let anybody stay in the land, what would happen is slowly but surely they would start to form new agreements. They would intermarry. They would do all of these things, right? Forming cohesion again. And so if you're just removing, 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 stuff can't just come back. If you remove something, and then you're just going on with your day, you know, with your life, whatever, thinking, well, I'm good now. And you got a ton of other crap there. Well, that stuff is going to try and pull for that to come back in and going to try and convince you that you want that back. And so there's got to be a pursuit. Again, was why we look at the shadow to see how they did it. Learn from their pitfalls as well. Go after everything. Go hard. Get it all done and be done. Because once things are removed, you're not feeling anything rise up in there anymore. There's no push for anything that's not good. It's only coming from external, which is awesome to be able to say. Um, I have two questions. Mm -hmm. Mine go together. Mm -hmm. um, can I get a definition of good and a definition of the common? Okay. Um, so I haven't looked up the definition of good. So I'm just, however the context it's used in the garden, that's what I'm going with. But we could look it up. If I were to look it up, I'd look it up on blueletterbible.org. Chelsea, going to look it up? Um, and then the promised land. Well, so we've got the promised land in the shadow, which is an actual physical land, right? The land of Canaan. Um, we've got the promised land now in the fullness, which we, we'll go into this a little bit later, but it it's, talks about it in Hebrews. Um, where we've been given a promised land rest now. And that promised land is, it's a combination of things. It's the kingdom of God here, ultimately, the way of the kingdom. 
It's an, it's an invitation back into the seventh day, the rest of God, um, is what the writer of Hebrews says. It's a, it's a Sabbath uh, that we live from here in the midst of all of this around us. Um, and then the promised land that we're coming into in the restoration of all things is the new heaven and the new earth, where all around us will be under the way of God. Does that make sense? Awesome. Yep. What? <laughs> All right, Chelsea, what do you got? good and he said very good <laughs> that's that yes Right. It does. Yep. I think some of the, the, the first things you got to look at is, does it feel like a battle? If it's a battle, I'd say it's a battle. Everybody got that? If it feels like a battle, it's a battle. You're dealing with something, all right? The second thing is, um, if it's, if, what is rising up in you as an emotional response is trying to get you in opposition to a person or to God or towards yourself. It is not part of you. The difference that I realized with anger, number one, I didn't, don't feel that weight on my chest that I would feel like this that would happen when anger would rise up. It doesn't mean that I don't look at my kids and say, you better do, right? But I don't feel anything, and I don't feel a need to tear them down. I don't feel a need to control, to make, like, that push. If there's a push behind an emotion that is wanting you to look at a person as if they're not made in the image of God, look at God as if he's not good, or look at yourself as if you're not good, then you know it's got the enemy's fingerprints on it. All right, all right, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to, it's 11-11. Let's go through this. Write your questions down, okay? Let's go through this at the lunch break. Y'all can ask me whatever questions you want, and, and we'll go through them because I don't want to keep everybody that much further, but we'll have multiple question times as we go. But I know we're, we got an end time to this. Is that okay with everybody? Everybody feel okay? So write it down so you don't forget, all right?
All right, session three. So we know who we are now. We're new. We're redeemed back to original value. We're not becoming new. We're made in the image of God, redeemed back into the image of the Son. We are new. Don't settle for anything less than that. The second thing that you need to know is what have you been given? Because what you've been given will equip you and help you as you start to handle the stuff that's rising up, right? So, what have we been given? Did I... Oh, whoops. I got the wrong one with me. I think I got another one here. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Maybe there's, is there, yeah. There might be more over there, honey. All right. Know what you've been given. All right, here we go. So the eyes of Jesus and the Spirit of God, that's what we're going to look at first. Can somebody read Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 to 6? It's right there in front of you, so you don't even have to look it up. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. All right, who was Daniel's vision of? Jesus, right? And what did Jesus' eyes look like? Flaming torches. Flaming torches. Okay, somebody want to read uh, John's vision? The next one down. Who was uh, John seeing? Jesus. Jesus. And again, what does it say about Jesus' eyes? They're like, are we seeing a little bit of a pattern here? Somebody want to read the next one? To the angel of the church. Don't worry. Just make it up as you go. <laughs> Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. What are his eyes like? Jesus. Okay, next one. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. His rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages the war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Who's that talking about? And what does it say about his eyes? Blazing fire. Blazing fire. The next one. Then I saw a lamb looking at the 
right? That one threw me for a loop. <laughs> I had to do a double take when the Lord brought me to that one. Okay, so Jesus' eyes, we're seeing Jesus has flaming eyes of fire. Now we look and we see a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Who's the lamb? How many eyes does the lamb have? Seven. And what are those seven eyes? Okay, so, so here's Jesus. His eyes are flaming fire. Now he's got seven of them, and they're the seven spirits of God. Okay, scripture's weird. Who wants to go for the next one? Okay, so now we're in front of the throne. There's seven torches of fire around the throne, and those torches are what? Seven spirits. All right, and those seven spirits of God we just read are Jesus' eyes. Okay. All right, somebody want to read the next one? Yeah, who holds the seven spirits of God? Who, he's talk who is he talking about? Jesus. Jesus, all right. Next one, see the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of the land in a single day. Who is it that removed the, the sin of the land in a single day? Jesus. Do we believe that? Yes. yes. And then who dares despise the day of small things since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. So we see Jesus has flaming eyes of fire. There's seven of them and they are the seven spirits of God. I read this when the Lord gave this to me and I was like, wait, there's seven? I've only heard of the Holy Spirit what are we doing? And what is Jesus's eyes? And this is probably important, right? What do the eyes of Jesus do or the spirit of God do? Well, that verse finally at the bottom, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So the eyes of the Lord, the seven spirits of God range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's awesome. That's what they're there for. That's what's happening. So we come. Well, where, what are these seven spirits? What the heck are we even looking at right now? Well, Isaiah, the prophet, had an understanding. He had a word about who Jesus was going to be, a prophetic word. He said that there shall come from the sh a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So we've got six spirits right there that Isaiah is prophesying will come on a descendant of Jesse, a descendant of David. Um, so... What I want you to see is all throughout the Old Testament, it will say, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, right? 
But what we're probably seeing is one spirit of the Lord coming on somebody, right? Like, like Solomon, he was given wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, right? It wasn't Solomon's wisdom. It was God's wisdom given to Solomon, but it was one spirit of God. Samson's might, the spirit of might. It wasn't Samson's might. It was God's might given to Samson. There's all this list of people where the Spirit of God came upon them and equipped them for something. But it was always a Spirit of God. Well, then we come into the New Testament, and this is the first time we see another Spirit get introduced on the scene, and it's the Spirit of Truth. It's a new one. I'm going to tell you something that I had never heard before. That the fullness of the Holy Spirit doesn't just mean a lot of the Holy Spirit. It means all seven spirits. So we look and we marvel at these stories in the Old Testament. The wisdom of Solomon. The might of Samson. Right? The dreams that Joseph had. All of these things. And we go, wow, wow, wow. Well, I'll tell you, Jesus came and he had all seven. The first one to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. And guess what it says? For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Whoa! Whoa! You, in Christ, have been brought all seven. We marvel at the people who had one. And sometimes just for an instant. In Christ, we've been given all seven because he carried all seven. Guys, that's remarkable. What that means is you are equipped. You have everything that you need is what that means. It means that there's nothing impossible for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not your own strength. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there's nothing impossible. It's not because that's just a nice phrase. It's because something literally happened. Christ came in the fullness of God, all seven, wisdom, counsel, might, fear of the Lord, knowledge, and strength. Nope. Understanding. Understanding. Like I said, might and strength. I, I go back and forth between those. <laughs> you got, he came in all of them. And because of that, now in Christ, you too have been brought to fullness. So you have everything you need. Anything that is trying to tell you you can't, you're not able, you don't know enough, you haven't been equipped, is lying to you. It's lying to you because the enemy knows what you carry. This is why we actually can look like Jesus. It's not us trying really hard to be like him. He made a way that we actually carry the fullness of the Spirit of God inside of us as well because we're in him. Now we are to remain in him 
<laughs> as he would, you know, as he remains in us, like we remain in him, right? And his words remain in us is what it says. I want you to know that the word fullness there, I looked it up. <laughs> it actually, so what's cool about Blue Letter Bible is that it doesn't just tell you what the word means, but if there's any extra biblical sources from that time, it'll tell you how it was used in those writings as well. So you can get a good understanding of how a word was used culturally in the time that it was actually used. And we've got that uh, because of a lot of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered, right? I mean, there's a lot of information out there for us. So this word, fullness, is actually a word that was typically used to talk about ships and the precious cargo and the oarsmen that, that would fill it and make the ship run. And so when it's saying you've been brought to fullness, it's saying you've been given all of the precious cargo and the oarsmen. You've been brought to fullness. Is the ship expected to do anything other than just be a ship? <laughs> the ship is there. It's the vessel. God says, I put my, my spirit in jars of clay. So it's very clear that the all-surpassing glory is from me. Right? It's very clear. We're the ship. He's the precious cargo, the oarsman. You have been filled. Not just with the precious cargo, but with the ones who make the boat go as well. It's a surrender to that. It's a going with it. Go with the Spirit of God. And that's really important because as we come into learning about kicking things out, and we're going, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I was up at a, a conference that we did a couple of years ago up in Maine, and there was a girl there that um, they could not figure out what it was, but she could literally feel something was choking her throat as they were breaking off agreement, right? She was the worship leader there. And this thing was going, going, going. And I honestly don't even remember the name of the thing, but I went over and I just had the thought in my head. It was some set of syllables. It wasn't a word. It wasn't anything that I'd ever heard before. But I'm like, well, if it came into my head, I'm going with it. And I said it, I wish I could remember what it was. I, I honestly don't, because uh, it was that obscure. It's not anything I've ever said since. Um, I said it, and immediately one of the women looked up what that word was online. And uh, the definition of it actually encapsulated exactly what this girl was going through. It's this learning to just go with the Spirit, believe that the Spirit's there and go with it. When a thought is good, you say, okay. Okay, God, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to say it. I'm just going to go with it, right? You have been given. This is a reality, the fullness of God. You have been given it, and it's all wisdom. It's all understanding. And so there are things that, I mean, who's experienced this before? Right? Where something comes to your mind or you're like, I kind of feeling this. I don't know how I should say it. You know? Go with it. From here on out, if it's good, go with it. If it's bad, add it to the list and kick it out. All right? If it's good, go with it. Because you're going to strengthen your ability to hear. 
And then you're going to see God do miraculous things. Because I said, I don't know, I heard this name and looked up the name. Oh, my goodness, that's exactly describing everything. All right, you thing, in the name of Jesus, she, she commands the thing to get off of her, and boom, it's gone. Her throat's all better, whatever. It's lifted off. It's done. But if I had been like, I'm not going to say that. If I didn't trust that I actually had the Spirit of God inside of me, she might still be stuck today. Who knows? Right? Go with it. Go with the Spirit of God. You have it. You have everything you need. And it even comes to like normal things. I had not done back taxes. That was not, I, I don't like to do taxes in general, but like prior year taxes, this was years ago now. I had a guy come to me, a friend of my brother's, and he said, uh, hey, can you, uh, I have 10 years of back taxes um, that need to be filed. Can you help me with that? I'd never done that before. And I said, sure. And he said, I'll pay you $100 per year. And I said, no. This is, this is what I'm asking. For every year that I do a back tax for you, I want you to come to our church meeting on a Friday night. And he said, I'm a Christian. And I said, I didn't say you weren't, so you'll probably love it. <laughs> this is just the payment I'm asking for, right? And so he did. And he ended up getting saved. <laughs> he ended up getting off of, he had been on Suboxins and, or methadone, uh, Suboxin. He ended up getting off all of that. He ended up getting all of his financial stuff squared away. He's now not in the... In, in the back, uh, in the red, he's in the black. You know, he's, the Lord has done tremendous things in his life. But it was because I said, I'll do it, because I knew I was an expert. Not because I'm an expert, but because I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And if this was going to be for the salvation of this guy, I'll do it. And I'm going to trust that God's going to have me do it. Somebody asks you to watch their kid, they're a single mom, they need to work. And you go, I don't know how to be around little kids. Yes, you do. Jesus loved little kids. I will do that. But I want to ask you, will you pray with me before you go? And you just use it. You use the moments that the Spirit of God brings before you, and you trust that he's given you everything you need for it. Use every interaction for him. And trust that God has something that he'll do through it. You are equipped. You have all seven. And then we see all seven of these. Paul writes about them. I put it right there. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the plan. That's the desire of God. Way more than our desire for it. God's desire is that we would be filled to all the fullness of all the measure of God. 
You guys look bored. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Is it? So awesome. I want to point out this last verse that I spoke so many times in my lifetime. To him, be, uh, no, uh, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Now, I would say that in prayers. I would declare that God can do more than we think or imagine. To him who can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could even imagine. God, more, imagine, God, imagine, more, all of it, abundantly. And abundant, right? And I'd say it all and I believed it, but I never finished out according to his power that is at work within us. It was always out there. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than, no. He's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you, to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you. You are the response to the world. You are where the exceeding abundant more than can be imagined takes place. It's in you that that takes place. It's not out there. It's here. It's this. So we don't pray it like that over like situations and things. It's according to his power that's in you. You be involved and it will happen because you carry all seven spirits of God because you're in him and he had them first and he gave them to you because he's awesome, right? He's awesome. An important distinction I want to make, all right? We talk about the fruit of the spirit, The fruit of the Spirit is not the Spirit itself. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit produces, right? And so I've got a list there of all the different things that Scripture says that uh, what is produced, but it's different than what the Spirit actually is. And the reason I'm making this distinction is because, you know, we see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I can pray... God, would you give me self-control? I just need self-control. I can pray that, but all I'm praying for is an apple that I'm going to consume and be done. Or I can pray, God, would you increase the spirit of wisdom in me? God, would you increase understanding in me that it would produce self-control? God, increase the tree. (laughs) Let it grow, that what started as a small seed, let it grow, let it grow, let it grow, God. Let it grow in me, that it would produce. You know, you, you, you teach, you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. You teach a man a, to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Yes, I can beg God to give me an apple in a moment because I need it. But what God has actually done is planted the apple tree inside of me. And his desire is not only that I would have an abundance of apples, but that I would actually be able to share those apples out. That I would be able to partake with him in being the giver. In being the peacemaker. In being the one who brings 
his character and his nature, like bringing it into the moment, bringing it into the situation. That's what he wants. He doesn't want us to keep living in this place of trying to get from him something that he's already given. And so that's the distinction to be made here. Is, yeah, sure, you can pray for self-control. But I'll tell you, probably the more effective prayer is to pray for these seven spirits of God to rise up and grow within you, that you would come into the fullness of all, all the measure of all the fullness of God, the fullness of his love. I believe it's like a rainbow, you know, where like, like light, white light, right, is the rainbow. It's the culmination of all of that. I believe that love is the culmination of all of it. That's why love is greater, because it's all of it. That's the completion of it all, and that is God. We're growing in these things up into the measure of all the fullness of God, which, you know, that we would know this love that even surpasses knowledge, because it's even greater. It's, it's the, the working out of all of these together. That's what I believe that it's actually pointing us to. And so these things, we pray for the increase of them. So I'm not telling you not to pray for joy. You can pray for joy. But I'm encouraging you to maybe pray, maybe pray with knowledge. Yeah. Pray with some knowledge. Know what you're going after when you pray. I mean, that's the stuff that Paul prayed for them. He prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and counsel, you know, that these things would rise up, that they would know these things. Because those are what produce the fruit. And to understand that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a pledge. We talked about this in the, like the already, not yet. The word guarantee in these three passages is a pledge. But what it's talking about is it's that what is of heaven, what is of the restoration, has been given within us now. I used to think that these verses meant that I get a deposit, like a, like a coin of heaven. I saw it as like a little coin to just kind of prove to me like, yeah, heaven's real. No, no, but it's not a little coin. <laughs> it's the way of heaven fully made manifest inside of me. That's the deposit. It fills me. It consumes me. It takes over me. It is all of this. And it is the guarantee that in the restoration, it will be that way everywhere. It's the guarantee of that more around us to come. I used to like really kind of feel like I was grasping on like, miracles or something to be evidence that there was going to be a heaven that's just not it it's this way of the kingdom here as very I am convinced of what the new earth and the new heaven is going to be now because I'm like I'm living some really new ways now I'm living it you you know I, I'm not, I don't have to like hope and pray that heaven's real I don't that's just no it is totally real because that can only explain what's gone on inside of me and on my frame. That's the only thing that can explain it. And I can't wait for the day when it's all around me and not just within me. And what, what, what our role here is now is to bring the kingdom into the next person 
and into the next person, that they would be redeemed, that they would be redeemed, that they would be redeemed, that they would be redeemed. And that's the advancement of the kingdom there, person to person to person to person. That's the advancement of the kingdom. I want you to know that every time you see that God do a miracle, it's not like, wow, a miracle, this is amazing. I mean, yeah, sure, it might be that. But it's what he's actually doing is he's, he's bringing that person into redemption. All a miracle is is bringing them back to the original. It's what he desires for everybody. Every healing, every miracle <laughs> is literally just salvation acted out in that moment for that person. That's all it is. And that's why we should be coming to expect it. And not like, oh God, let this be the moment. Let this be the moment where you're going to do something miraculous and amazing. And we've got to come into this salvation and understand it and walk in it so clearly. Know what it is that we're actually in. That I'm not begging for something for a moment for this person to get up out of a wheelchair. I'm saying, God, let your salvation come. Redeem them back, God, because that's what you paid for. That's what I'm going after. I'm not going after something for a moment. I don't care about a moment. I care about salvation and what he paid for. I want everything back here. That's where we want everything, until the restoration of all things. We've also been given a kingdom. We're part of a kingdom. This is a little bit of homework for you. This back page, do it or don't do it, I don't care. Um, but these are all just the parables and the realities that Jesus spoke about the kingdom. And we know that there's the kingdom here and now and that there's the kingdom to come, right? The fullness and then the restoration of all things. I want you, when you get time, to look through this and, and read through them and determine. See those two left-hand columns, now and then. Which of these are for now and which of these are for then? It will help you understand what you're living in. We kind of jumble them all together. The kingdom of heaven's like this. The kingdom of heaven's like, well, is that for now? <laughs> or is he talking about at the end? What is he talking about here, right? And so you can go through, and, and sometimes it might, it, it's both, now and then, right? Now and then, now and then. Go through and look them up. All right. Anybody have any questions? Say that again. If you're in the public domain, like a public school, right, and you're releasing the seven spirits, right, my, the opposition I run into is a jealousy. Who do you the think? External you are? opposition yeah. coming sure. from around you. Okay. Who do you think you are? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're gonna have external opposition for sure. 
um, <clears throat> whether it's coming from a jealousy or it's coming from a, uh-oh, she knows who she is. That's a threat to our territory. I mean, this year as a church, we've been doing these freedom, we do Freedom Fridays, the first Friday of every month, where everybody comes and we're all ready to kick out whatever we've had a challenging time kicking out during the month on our own. We do it together as a church and we get rid of it. Well, this year we decided we were going to do our Freedom Fridays and go after some regional things over the church and tell them, not our church. You're not having anybody here. And so we're going after one thing. Well, we went after the spirit of witchcraft the first Friday of this year. And within days, um, we all of a sudden, one of our neighbors in our neighborhood started posting up all of this stuff about how we run an illegal church at our house, an illegal boarding house, an illegal school, all this stuff that's just like, I, we don't even know this guy. We've never met him, any of that. He mailed out flyers. He made handouts and mailed flyers to our entire town telling them that we were doing this. Not him, but whatever's owning him because we were starting to come against their territory. And nothing happened in me. I didn't get offended. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel scared. I didn't feel anything because that's all been removed, which is awesome. It was just like, oh, that poor man, he's a slave. Something's playing him. And so we've just begun to release freedom over him to speak over his home, that he would be set free, his eyes would be open, whatever. But yeah, there's going to be opposition externally, for sure, if you are releasing the way of the kingdom. And God might give you strategy. He might tell you, don't do it in a public space. At first, he had me walking people into freedom underground in my office, day in and day out. And he kept saying to me, I have you underground for a reason. And it was because pastors never would have heard, because I didn't even know what I was doing. They never would have heard. They never would have understood what was happening yet. But once they saw and had people come back to them from their own congregations completely transformed, and they contacted me and said, okay, what happened? And by that time, God had then given a framework for what was going on. And so you just go with the Spirit of God if he says, here, you do it here. If he says there, you do it there. And you let it be, because he's got strategy as well. And we don't want to go outside of that. So this process you've been describing so far, is it about changing one's own beliefs? Or how do you categorize it? <laughs> um, I, for me, it felt like it was a shift in the foundation that I was standing on. Uh, it became a much sturdier foundation because I understood it. I could see it all through scripture. I knew what was happening. I now understood who I was. I understood what Jesus actually paid for and why and what was to come. It just all made sense. So it was a shoring up of a foundation and getting rid of some things that had been in the foundation that weren't supposed to be there and were keeping it feeling a little like, well, I don't know, I don't know, you know? It, it was a, a shoring up of that. I don't know if that answers your question. I, I don't think it's a change in belief. I loved Jesus. I knew him. I loved him. I experienced him. It wasn't that. Um, it was, yeah, it, it was a, yeah, it was a revelation, but it was the foundation got shored up and certainly some things removed. Definitely things added in. 
Oh, sorry. Whoever wants to go first, I don't care. I believe there's a spiritual root to all of it. That's where I am now. That's where I've come to. I mean, this has been, like I said, a three-year journey for me of going, well, what about that, God? Well, let's try this one out. What about this? And what I've seen has pointed me to where I'm standing right now to say I go after everything that, doesn't, that isn't new. And I believe it's for me now. Yeah. So you're going to have to walk that journey yourself, search out the scriptures for sure, you know, and test it out. That's what I did. I tested it out. I tested it out with my own allergies and asthma. You know, is this a thing, God? And this is what I found. And I'll tell you, too, <clears throat> I don't typically go after those type of symptoms. If people come to me and say, well, I have asthma or I have allergies, I... I'm like, all right, well, we got to go after what you notice in your mind or in your emotions because it was self-preservation for me. Like I couldn't just tell allergies to leave. It wasn't that. It was actually a spiritual root. And so you have to go after that. I did a conference in, in Maryland, not Maryland, Martha's Vineyard um, <clears throat> in the fall or whatever, last year sometime, and there was a woman there, and she had gotten a blood clot in her leg from... Uh, getting the COVID shot. And she was upset because she didn't want to get the shot in the first place, but she's in the medical field. So it was all this stuff tied to it, you know. Um, and she could, I was having a hard time walking. And um, I just asked, we weren't even talking about that. I just knew that about her. Somebody had told me that. But anyway, so I asked her, I, I'm going to ask what spiritual thing is there. You tell me if you hear something, whatever. I do that. She hears, I think it was resentment. Okay, we break off agreement. It actually had no rights. We break off agreement. We, we send it out, and um, she had to leave. She had to get home to her kids. Well, she walks out the door. 15 minutes, she comes flying back in the door. My leg! My leg! The, the tumor, the, the thing's gone. I can walk. It's all gone. And I was like, that's amazing. This is what we see, is we go after something spiritual and our bodies by default get better. I don't know what, what attaches to what. Um, and there are people who walk in healing, that's an entirely different thing, and I, not entirely, they go hand in hand. Um, and so I don't profess to understand it all, but these are things that I see. And so when somebody's asking me about something like this, I just say, well, pay attention to the thoughts and the emotions, the things that you can tell are not from God, Go after those, and then take note. You'll start to see things change. Tracy. My question is back to the witchcraft thing, talking about the neighbors and that kind of, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, in this area, I live in Jackson, you know, in this <coughs> part of Massachusetts, New England, it, witchcraft is so prevalent, and they're not even hiding it anymore. It's, you know, I mean, we have stores. Right. All that kind of thing. But when you're doing this and you're working with someone who is a practicing witch, mm -hmm. um, like earlier you were saying about, you know, um, about Jesus saying, you know, I'll give your dog, you know, mm -hmm. I'll give the food for your children to your dog. Mm -hmm. You said something like, are we just forgetting about being 
person in the witch, like the the sacred being that God created in in this practicing witch? Are we I, trying to deliver them or, or help them be set free, or are we just saying? Yeah, we're certainly, we're preaching the message of the gospel, which when we see, oh, so she was, thank you, Um, so she was asking, she said there's a lot of witchcraft around the area, and even stores where people can go into and buy spells and things like that, and um, what, because deliverance, we talked about deliverance is the children's bread, it's for the children of God, do we then not offer it out? to people that are around us that are stuck in things. And so um, what that is is we are bringing the message of the good news of the freedom of God, of salvation, right? That's the first step. We, we bring the gospel. But if we don't understand the good news of the gospel, we can't bring it pretty really effectively. Prior to all of this, I used to tell people like, hey, Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. Isn't that great? That does not sound great, guys. That just doesn't sound good. A guy died on the cross on a cross because he loved me. I want nothing to do with that, you know, or I've already tried that or whatever. I'll tell you, though, if you're having a conversation with somebody and it only takes five seconds with any person anywhere before you hear them say, you know, man, I just... my. I just have too much anxiety or depression or fear. You hear them start talking about things that you know are spiritual things. And so I just listen in a conversation for half a minute, and then I go, oh, you know you can be free from that? What do you mean? There's freedom for there's, you. You didn't. You can be free. We could get that off you right now. What do you mean? Well, I mean, do you, have you ever heard of Jesus? Do you know who Jesus is? He made a way so that you don't have to carry that anymore. And I can actually walk you into freedom right now. That's good news, guys. That's really good news. When Jesus walked through the countryside and was preaching the good news, he wasn't saying, hey, guys, I'm going to die for you. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, I came. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news, to open prison doors, to set the captives free, to break the yokes of slavery. That's the good news, that the kingdom has come here and now. Freedom for the children of God. Freedom for humanity. So we bring the message of the good news. That's what we bring. But we got to get better at it. If it's not good news to us, it's not going to be good news to anybody else. Yes, Jesus had to pay a very high and excruciating price. And it gives incredible value to what was done. But that's not your entrance point into the good news. Because people have no context for what that even means. But they do know that they're a slave. They do know that they're stuck. They do know that they can't get out. They do know that the hospitals aren't fixing their problems. They do know that medication is not working. They do know that. And if you're coming and you're saying there's another way, and I can guarantee you that you will be free, that's good news. So that's where we go. 
We, we bring it. And yeah, there's people who go all set. Uh, and I go, that's fine. But the second you want freedom, you know where to find me. Come find me. Because it's there. It's available for you. Mm. You and I know both know that the substance is the problem of the symptoms. So when the Lord knew coming, do you try to remove the addiction and work on the other stuff, or do you remove other stuff and the addiction goes away and the byproduct of that? Well, so the context that I would be working in is a biblical framework, right? It is a Christian, it's, it's our home, it's a Christian place. Are you talking about in a place where you have free reign to talk about God and all of that? I work for a recovery organization, and I am able to share whatever I want with somebody asking about my pastor. Okay. I can't walk into the room and say, you know, this is a poor pastor, and say this to you, this to you. Right. But if somebody asks me, do I work for me, that's the first thing I tell them. Okay. All right. Yeah. So within, within in that place of being able to speak about the freedom that God brings, right? I would say to that person, listen, there's something that's been owning you for a long time, and it's pushed you. It might be a spirit of addiction, but it might be fear. It might be rejection. It might be abandonment. It might be all of those things. And if you want, we can start going after those things and getting rid of them, getting them off of you. And I'm convinced that you're going to see change happen. In the meantime, we're going to put parameters around you to help hold you in, safeguards until you're free on the inside and you don't need those anymore right so for children of God what what happens I mean Paul says why do you still succumb to these same like laws don't eat don't taste don't touch don't don't do this don't do that right he says they they do nothing to actually restrain sensual indulgence and, and that's what we do so often is we, we have all this stuff pushing us towards these addictions or these things. These, and, and so we put boundaries around us. And then we end up just having to live like that. Because if I go outside of that, I know I'm going to fall. And, and so we just do this and we corral ourselves in. And Paul's going, that actually does nothing. You, it doesn't restrain anything. It doesn't change the, the sensual thing that's going on inside of you. We've got to actually remove that, and then you won't need the boundaries around you. You can go anywhere, be around anyone, do anything, and be okay. But as you're working with somebody who still has the stuff going, I say, yeah, you put the boundaries around them, and you say, as we're getting you free, we're going to remove these things, and then we lift these and see how you do. Put you in a situation. I remember one of the girls living at our house. Um, she had been a heroin addict and lived on the streets for however long and um, gave her life to the Lord. All of that went through a recovery program. And uh, she was terrified about going back to Lawrence, like driving through Lawrence, because that was the old stomping ground. And I, I looked at her and said, You're free. Like, <laughs> The only way you're going to know is to try it, right? And she's like, I just feel like if I drive down this road, my car is going to go <laughs> where I don't want it to go. And then she went and she drove into Lawrence, and guess what? Her car where, went where she wanted it to go. And she didn't even have a push towards that. And then years later, you know, she had to have a surgery, and they were saying you need to have some sort of opiate for this. 
And she called me crying. Ah! And I said, listen, you're different. You're okay. You're okay. You're having massive surgery. You're going to be all right. So she did it. And she called me after, and she's like, I'm fine. It's just not even a thing. I said, I know it's not a thing because you're free now. And so the boundaries are important for, for the time when there's still the stuff there because it's a safeguard. But the ultimate goal is to remove everything so that they don't even need those anymore. So you slowly expand the boundaries or just lift it? You let them try it out. You let them try something out. And then, yeah, as you're going, the goal is get freedom for them. And then you say, okay, now let's try it. And, you know, let me know how you do. Let me know if something rises up in you. Even if you don't go with it, even if you're strong enough to not go, that's not what we want. We want nothing to rise up. That's what we're going after, is actual freedom, not you just being stronger to resist. We want the thing gone, right? Sometimes, and I don't know. <laughs> but you have the seven spirits of God inside of you. And that's why this is really important. You're going to have to learn to rely on the spirit of God for some of these things. You know, and, and sometimes the spirit of God and people around you, like I had to call my sister and be like, I cannot, I've been asking, I can't figure it out, da, 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 right? And she put her hand on me, and when she did that and I was able to just sit quiet, then I heard it, you know, and I've had people say, I've heard this for you, you know, so you rely on that. Um, and sometimes it is important for you to know the name. Most of the time I think it is, uh, but definitely not all the time, so. What if you don't hear anything? Like, you're asking the Lord to tell you what is there, mm -hmm. Get somebody else involved in it with you. Okay. I keep forgetting to reiterate the question. <laughs> Lord, rise up in me. Yeah. Grow me, God. Um, he said, is it important that somebody is in a saved situation before you start walking them into freedom? Well, this freedom, the seven agreements that we walk people through, has salvation woven into it. It has repentance. It has acknowledgement of Jesus as king, as Lord. It has a dying with Christ, it, a, a coming into his resurrection, resurrected life. It has all of that woven into it. Um, and so if I'm talking to somebody who is not currently saved, who is wanting to come into freedom, I walk them through that, and, and they make the acknowledgement, God, I, I'm giving my life over to you, and, and do that within the process of itself. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't try and kick something out of somebody that's not saved, uh, even if they really, really want it. Because I've only, and, and it's going to be hard to know because there are sometimes people who will tell you that they're saved. And, you know, what, what happens is you kick something out of them and there's nothing there to replace. The Spirit of God is not there to protect them. So things are allowed back on them. 
right? Things are alive. And it says that they go and they find seven stronger than themselves and go and mess it up worse. And so one thing that I had seen that, that summer was there were certain people that came and we kicked stuff out and within two to three days they were in a mental hospital. That was scary and I was like, God, I don't want to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Um, and so that's one of the things. You cannot, if somebody tells you they're saved, I'm kind of like, that's on them. You give them the fair warning. If you are not filled with the Spirit of God, if you have not surrendered to him, then you need to know that this is the reality because we're talking about real-life things here. It's not just a magic show. There's real things that we're engaging in. And so you give them that, just like Jesus did when he said, now go and sin no more, or something worse could happen to you. Right? He, he didn't say, now this is going to last you forever because it's just a sealed deal. No, go and don't sin anymore because something worse could happen to you. We do our, our same due diligence, but you can't be the, the Jesus police to people. If they tell you they're saved, you can believe them. Just let them know, you know. I think we're ready for lunch. Everybody ready for lunch? Well, that about wraps up our podcast for today. I pray that it was a blessing to you. If you're looking for more information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org. If you've got questions or comments about the material that you've heard today, feel free to email us, info at newriverchurch.org. God bless you.